Music and the Melbourne suburb of Glen Waverley weren't one and the same, but Henry Waggins has made them somehow related. Growing up in Glen Waverley, the twangy licks of steel string country music were indeed a world away from his. It's just such a, a crazy journey we weren't expecting. Playing dive bars weekly and building a cult following around Melbourne, he wrote some of his best work, the song Good Town. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do and check out the many other artists who've shared their story of their creative high points. But here's Henry Waggins and the story of some of his best work, Good Town. Henry, thank you so much for taking part in an episode of Some of My Best Work to talk about the Wagon song, Good Town. Can you take us through why you've chosen this one in particular? It's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. It's a song about the grass being greener on the other side when you move into some sort of fantasy land. I feel like when I wrote it and when I put it out, that's in a weird way, what my life became after that song. So it was a real kind of turning point. It was so, yeah, it was a line in the sand for me. I re- remember exactly when I wrote it. I remember sitting on my couch in my living room in Carlton and I picked up the first guitar I ever played wagon songs on. It was an old, a melody brand guitar, which isn't a known brand really. It was a guitar I picked up. It was an acoustic-shaped guitar, but it didn't have the ordinary sound hole in it, like most acoustic guitars in the middle of the body. It had two huge F holes, like a violin. So I picked it up. I had it in an open tuning, and I'm not particularly great at playing slide guitar, but I started playing a riff on the slide, and that was the start of of, um, Good Town. I was listening to a lot of the band, The Band. (laughs) It's basically me trying to channel the band in that sort of country funk kind of way. The song has no chorus, actually. The chorus is kind of the riff, and it's an unusual structure uh, to a song. It's from your 2009 album, The Rise and Fall of Good Town. So it's a good 10 years after the band has has formed. Wagons is an incredibly fun band. <laughs> it, it's it, And we never, when it first started, uh, we never had huge ambitions for it. Those first 10 years were kind of wild away in Melbourne dive bars with friends, just having a good time, really. Uh, We weren't particularly ambitious or chasing anything. We all had our own, you know, a variety of our own creative interests. And we just got together as friends and united in a passion for kind of outlaw country music. Uh, Slowly across the course of 10 years, doing residencies in, yeah, these dive bars, we cultivated a bit of a crowd and a bit of a following. It was very much a part-time thing for that first decade, but by 2009, we kind of had those corner bars heaving, and along with a big crowd comes all that industry interest (laughs) that tends to um, get attached to when you start uh, making some coin and, and attracting a fan base. So 
through, uh, say, between 2007 and 2009, we had this crazy momentum that none of us expected. We got management. This 2009 record was our second record on Spunk. And Wagons has never felt like we've been pushing shit uphill. Basically, when 2008, 2009 came around, it was a moment when that ball of shit became a snowball that was swiftly becoming an avalanche and like rolling down the mountain for some reason the sort of groove of the song and and, and the story and the sound uh yeah did have a, a strange resonance <laughs> terms of that theme of the grass is always greener this was your take on that notion Mm. did the grass get greener after this for you (laughs) yeah it was funny after this record came out we got to play in places we could never have imagined I remember a key moment was actually when our agent called me and said hey you've been asked to play the big day out now the big day out is known for Metallica Grinspoon, I don't know, who plays a big day out? The Red Hot Chili Peppers. You know, there's had some, like, uh, Neil Young. But basically, Wagons were only the second ever twangy kind of band to ever be asked to play the big day out after Neil Young. <laughs> so it's like, what wow. are we doing there? How, what, how did we get this <laughs> invitation? And all of a sudden we found ourselves touring around the country, kicking a soccer ball with Dizzy Rascal. Uh, the Middle East were on there as well, who I also put in the same category as us we, with, the, you know, some twangy flavours in there. And ever since, you know, uh, Wagons has got to take us to America. Our trips to America are easily in double figures. We've got to play festivals in Vietnam and all over the world. And it's just such a a crazy journey we weren't expecting when we were propping up the bar at the retreat hotel in Sydney Road. (laughs) You know, all of a sudden I'm finding myself in a post-gig glow in a recliner in Hoi An, Vietnam. And it's like, what? How did I get? Yeah, you know, it was it's, yeah. it's crazy. Eating brisket in the middle of nowhere in Texas. You know, this is the mecca of country music. And I never thought that coming from um, Glen Waverley in Melbourne, I'd ever get to sort of play a twangy lick to Texans. It's absolutely mad. To, as you say, getting on the bill for the big day out, because obviously we've, we've heard the sad news that Ken West, you know, the founder of the iconic yes. music festival is no longer with us, which is... Mega sad. And I wonder if reflecting on your time there, you know, was it a bit of a pinch me moment knowing it, as you say, the big day out was this iconic festival that was at the forefront of Australian music. So it did help a lot of bands launch. You you could have been the Metallica, you could have been the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but they were also interested in the local acts too. Well, it gave a gargantuan audience to local bands, those bands that were playing in their local bars, all of a sudden you get an opportunity to try and peddle your wares, you know, spit what you got to Neil Young's audience. You know, it's it's absolutely insane. You know, you get exposure to all these people that wouldn't have come to see you at a corner bar. So, you know, it, it definitely gave uh, access to a huge audience to bands that wouldn't have otherwise. And it was part of the tapestry. It was part of 
growing up as a musician that you want to play those big stages and play that big game. So to get to do it in front of that festival crowd, you know, take a selfie in front of thousands, it's, uh, you yeah. can't beat it. And, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty, pretty rare that you've got a festival that's so part of the blueprint of um, Australian music. It was a, a forerunner for sure. And yeah, it was very much a pinch me moment. And that, that did come in the 2010 summer, um, just after mm. this record we're talking about was, was put out. Why is it some of your best? Is it because of what it created afterwards? Look, I think that song captured what Wagons was about. It has a sort of a cult-like vibe. It's so twangy and jangly. You know, slide guitar is kind of like an artery. It's a mainline to your emotions. The power of narrative songwriting and, and country music, it has a way of of telling a story like nothing else. And Good Town is a simple sort of tale of, of someone moving and then it going wrong, but it's a classic country narrative and it has uh, all of my passions at the time. It's got that band thing. It's got the, the Neil Young thing. Uh, it's got the Johnny Cash thing. It's like a little capsule of everything that Wagons is within three minutes. It's got the great guitar work of Richie Blase on there. Um, it's got the thump and rhythm section of Mark Tuckerbag Dawson and Cy the Philanthropist. And they were always willing to go with my vision, like even when there is no chorus. You know, they, they were willing to go with my whims on this one. And the whole album, like on the front cover, it kind of looks like some sort of strange farmyard cult. And I think it was capturing a moment. It had a, a weird sepia tone. It had a throwback element. And, and we didn't know that it was just a reflection of, of who we liked and what we were like doing and, and who we liked hanging out with on the weekends. But for some reason, everyone else picked up on what we were throwing down. Who knew? With the success of this particular song too, I mean, you won the Age Entertainment Guide Best Band and Best Album at the time too, which was another big deal. But we felt like Wagons were inherently Melbourne, that we own you and that award was really the pinnacle, you know, in the local music scene. Yeah. You got that. The, Everyone was, as you say, swinging from the rafters at your shows somewhere. We felt like part of the Melbourne music scene. You know, I loved the idea of even when I uh, would travel around the country, people would say, uh, you know, in, in, in the thick of Fortitude Valley in Brisbane, oh, we, we went to visit cousins in Melbourne. They took me to one of your shows, one of your residency shows in Melbourne. Like we were, it's like we were a tourist attraction <laughs> for Melbourne. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we'd occasionally roam, roam into the other, the capitals and, and, Everyone seems to have uh, the axis of evil was Melbourne uh, in a beautiful way, and 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 then we sort of spread our tentacles from there. We never toured; we just sit there in Melbourne and play from Sunday to Sunday, or or whenever, or, or local gigs around about. Never really wanted or needed to get on the road, but it wasn't until around this time we're talking about that all of a sudden. There was a demand for a national presence. I wouldn't have thought I w would want to impose uh, my shit on anyone else, but there you have it. Uh, all of a sudden, people in, you know, the transit bar in Canberra were coming to see us as well. And, and you know, over at Mojo's in, in Fremantle in Western Australia, and, you know, New Zealand, and then it sp spread to the States and the UK. And, and yeah, we were like a, 
a swift amoeba spreading our disease. If you weren't doing wagons, experiencing this prolific, you know, career in music um, and also presenting, where would you be? Somewhere at university, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, um, I wanted to be an academic like my dad, really. Um, you know, dad uh, is a, well, was, he's retired now, but uh, only relatively recently. I actually started a PhD in philosophy on a linguistic philosophy in um, at Melbourne Uni. I kind of never showed up. The parties were much better once I got my record deal. <laughs> it all happened at the same time. It was either do your postgrad and and dive deep into that um, nerddom, um, which I loved. I, I always imagine and still do. I imagine I might go back to it one day, but I find that screwing around with concepts and, and language that linguistic philosophy uh, made me do and, and trained me up in was actually, as it turns out, a crazily appropriate education for writing songs. It's actually not that surprising that I've, I made a swift left turn. I've done a, a classic Melbourne hook turn and, uh, done <laughs> and, and gone into uh, music. Who knew? I wasn't planning on it, but I'm incredibly thankful for it. Henry, thank you so much for taking part in an episode of my podcast. It was absolutely awesome to hear you talk about Good Town. Cheers, Jane. Uh, anytime. I'll, t- I'll, I'll chat till the cows come home with you. I appreciate it. <laughs> no worries. I'm Jane Rocker. Thanks for listening to this episode with Henry Waggons and Good Town some of his best work. Check out the show notes for more information and to discover other podcasts from Mushroom Studios. Subscribe where you're listening and feel free to get in touch with an artist you'd like us to feature on the show. All in the episode notes. Talk to you in the next episode here on Some of My Best Work. Some of My Best Work.